his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We worship you. We praise you. We love you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We exalt you. We lift you up and tell you there's none like you. And Father, we thank you that we know you through your word and your son by your spirit. We pray tonight, O oh God, as everyone here who has turned up to this drive-in and those who will even watch it later, we pray, O oh God, that as they have turned up, that you would meet them at the point of their need. But right now, Father, the, the need of the hour, the need of this moment is that you would reveal Christ. Christ to each and every one of us again and afresh. Lord, we pray that you would speak to hearts, speak to men, speak to women, to the young, to the older. We pray, O oh God, that you would be seen and, Lord, you would hide me behind the cross. Lord, that you would hide me and that thy word alone would be heard and not the voice of a man. For, Lord, if we come listening to the voice of a man, then we've come in vain. We pray, O oh God, right now that you would take me up and anoint me with fresh oil. And, O oh God, that you would use me for your glory. Use my lips. Use my voice. And hide this man of frailty. And may Christ be exalted and seen and glorified. Lord, reach the lost. Touch those who are weak and cold in heart. And, O oh God, we pray you'd call home the backsliders. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd strengthen your children and speak to us. Lord, as you deem it fit and see fit. And, Lord, we thank you for your blessing that maketh rich. For you add no sorrow with it. So glorify your name in the word and in the preaching of the word. Glorify your son. May your spirit have his way for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. We're told here by Isaiah the prophet in our first verse, notice in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. The first glimpse here we see is of Almighty God in the temple and then the seraphims. But take note what it took. Take note what it took that Isaiah would have this view and this vision of God and these seraphim beings around his throne. It took the king of Judah to die. Uzziah was a warrior king. He was a king from the early age of 16 in Jerusalem. And now he was a great king. He was a good king, even a godly king. He went out for the battles of Israel 
And he won many battles to the glory of God and for his people. Sadly, Uzziah fell into what's known as a comfortable mode. And there he started to sin before God in thinking and taking God for granted. What he did was he went as the king to the temple to offer a sacrifice rather than wait for the God-ordained priests to do so in the temple at Jerusalem. God was displeased with this. Uzziah took for granted that which God had ordained. Uzziah took for granted that which God had placed in order. And Uzziah went to offer on the altar a sacrifice. It wasn't his place. And so he got so comfortable and he became so used to the things of God and the victories in God which God had given to him. Here he thought he had moved into another office that God had not called him to. And so God smote him with leprosy. And with that leprosy, he ended up having to self-isolate. We're used to hearing that word today. Having to self-isolate right on to the day of his death. What a way to finish. What a glorious start. Now what a way to finish. A terrible way to finish. And such is the way of the man and the woman who have fallen away from Christ. Maybe I'm speaking to someone tonight. And maybe it's been many years. You used to be in every meeting. Used to be when you're at work. You watched the clock. That you'd get home in time. To maybe get washed and get something to eat. And get out to a meeting. A prayer meeting. A Bible study. Time to sing and worship the Lord. You were there when the doors were opened. You were out evangelizing. You were speaking to people in work. People in the street and whoever you met, you spoke about the glories of Christ. And but through maybe circumstance, you fell out of love with Jesus. And you walked away from him. And maybe it's been a short time. And maybe it's been for many years. Can I ask you, friend, is that the way that you want to meet the Lord? Is that the way that you want to stand before God? Because when we look at these seraphims, you can see how men and women will be ashamed before him who are not right and walking and trusting in Christ. Is there someone who's fallen away from the Lord? Is that the way you want to meet Christ and stand before him? Should that be tonight or somewhere in the future? Here, Uzziah the king. You know what his name means? Yah is my strength. In other words, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Israel, he is my strength. And now he has come to a place where he sinned before God to such an extent. You might say one little thing, friend, I can tell you. He was messing around with the sacrifice. He was playing about with the blood. And he was taken for granted. And he took it for granted. That he could treat the blood. And that he could treat the sacrifice on the altar of God. 
anyhow and any way and at any time he willed or wanted to. And that is the way men and women tend to think, well, I got saved and sure, I'll just claim the blood if I've been under uh, the stress and I've been away under sin and I've been away from God and I've lived like a devil. Ah, sure, it's all about the blood and I can live how I like and I can do what I want. Friend, I can tell you, the man and the woman who plays around and messes around and takes for granted the blood of the sacrifice on God's altar of the cross of Calvary, that man and that woman will find themselves in very dangerous territory. Wendy and Billy helping her sign, What can wash away my stain, my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uzziah messed around and played loose with the blood of the sacrifice on the altar of God. And God said enough is enough. And God calls him by his name to his throne of judgment. Is there someone tonight and you're messing around with the blood? You're taking for granted, well, I put a hand up or I walked up an aisle or I said a wee prayer, is that not me, sin- is that not me saved? Sure, I'll be all right from here on in. Friend, listen, if Christ is in the life, your life will change to follow Christ. And you will not mess around with the blood nor take for granted the power of the blood of the sacrifice on the altar of God the sacrifice of Calvary, but rather you will hold precious the blood. You will deem precious the blood. You will respect the blood that you may claim the blood and own the merits of the blood. So here Uzziah messed around in the temple of God, on the altar of God, with the sacrifice of God and the blood of the sacrifice. To God. Smote with leprosy. Now. Uzziah has died. Now Uzziah. Has been taken out of Judah. From Jerusalem. From the view of the people. And listen. The people look to Uzziah. They look to him for strength. They look to him for comfort. They look to him for peace. And even Isaiah the prophet always felt more secure whenever Uzziah was there. For he would have put a protective covering over the prophet of God. He would have put a protective protective covering over Isaiah the prophet of God. Now Isaiah's comfort zone is gone. Now that which he looked to is taken out of view. I want to say this, friend. There are people who are looking to for help and for salvation and for comfort and for blessing and for protection, looking to other things other than the Lord himself. And Isaiah may have been guilty of the same, but what a view he had 
when that which he put his trust in, that which was temporal and not eternal, was taken out of the way. And the king which was on the throne in the earth in Jerusalem, he was removed. And there he says, in the year that king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. I saw Adonai. I saw the judge. I saw he who sat on the throne. He says, I seen the Lord himself. This one on the throne has the seraphim around him. And this one on the throne is surrounded by the cries, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. But this one would come down and be made flesh. And this one would be nailed to a tree, to the altar of God. And this one, this same God, would be in Christ Jesus. And this man, Christ Jesus, who is God, the Son of God, he would shed his blood on the gibbet of the Roman cross. And there he would bear away our sin. Instead of seraphim around him crying holy, instead of him there with the seraphim in the glory, there we see him. One thief on one side and one on another side. And there they even mock him and jeer him. There he is bleeding and dying in an agony. There alone on the cross of Calvary. Christ paid our debt in its fullness. And instead of a seraphim worship, there he has the spitting of man against him. What a saviour tonight. What a Christ. And what a God. Here the Uzziah. The king. In Jerusalem. Has died. I wonder. What it will take. I wonder what it would take. For some in here tonight. I wonder what it will take. For you tonight friend. What it will take to be removed from your life. What it will take to be removed from your life. That you might have a fullness of the view of Christ again. What is it on the earthly throne of the man and woman's heart. That takes the place of Christ. Takes first place and takes second place. And takes third place sometimes of the believer's heart. Or maybe even greater places. What is it that's enthroned on the heart of men and women here tonight. That needs to be dealt with. That should be removed. But it might take God. Before you realize that he is still on the throne. All of those people in Jerusalem would mourn the, the King Uzziah. And the prophet Isaiah would mourn also. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. 
And his train filled the temple, he cries. What a vision and what a view this man had. Oh, he's never had one like this before. And now he has seen the fullness of Christ. And he has seen him on his throne. You know, Isaiah is not the only one who has seen God on his throne. We think of the little prophet Micaiah. And he in 1 Kings 22 saw the Lord on his throne. Job, the old patriarch, he in Job 26 and verse 9 saw God on his throne. David, the king of Israel, Psalm 9 and 4 speaks of seeing God enthroned. The sons of Korah, those worship leaders in Psalm 45 and in Psalm 47 claim that they sing of the Lord on his throne. Ethan the Ezraite, he in Psalm 89 seen God on his throne. Jeremiah in Lamentations 5 and in verse 19 says he saw God on his throne. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 10, he saw God on his throne. And Daniel, in Daniel 7 and 9, saw God on the throne. And John, in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, in Revelation 4, verses 1 to 11, he says he saw Christ, God on the throne. And Christ, in Revelation 5, is the Lamb on the throne. Friend, I can tell you there's no other religion there's no other so-called faith that has a Savior like our Savior. Muhammad is dead. Confucius is dead. Gandhi is dead. All of the heathen deities are dead. But Christ came from heaven. He died for us. And he rose again the third day. He's ascended into glory. And he there is ministering in the heavenly tabernacle as our great high priest. And he is coming again. He is alive forevermore. This is the one who Isaiah saw when his earthly king and comforts died. Oh, the, the old hymn writer wrote, the greatest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from my throne and worship only thee. Friend, tonight, will you ask the Lord if you cannot remove it to show you the idol of the heart, the idols of the mind, the idol in the family, the idol in your worship, the idol that we think to remove it that Christ and Christ alone will be enthroned again upon your heart. May he take first place. May he be the first love of each and every one of us this evening. Notice here, we find Uzziah is taken that Isaiah might see. The people in Jerusalem 
mourned and lamented this king, Uzziah. Do you know what God was saying? He was letting them know, and he's letting you know and me know tonight, that no matter who or what it is that comes upon the earth, no matter how great a personality seems to be, no matter when they're taken out of the way, whatever pandemic may come across this planet, he's letting us know, whether it be a new world order, a one world government, a revived, revived Roman Empire, no matter what it is, the Babylonian system, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I am still sovereign, and I am still in control, and I am still on my throne. God is in the heavens, and he laughs at our enemies. Note this. Let us look at verse 2. Above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he did fly. Notice these wings, six wings each, the seraphim's wings. So two wings were to cover his face. You see the seraphim? Seraphim comes from a word which means burning ones burning ones it gives the idea like a flickering flame of fire so fast in its flicker it even cheats the eye and these created beings around the throne with six wings with twain he covers his face you ever wonder why you ever wonder why with two he would cover his face I'll tell you why. Because he's in the presence of holiness. Because they're in the presence of glory. They're in the presence of light which is unapproachable. And they cover their face in the glory of God. Lest they be consumed in the presence of Christ. Take note, friend. These two wings, they cover their face. Reminds me when Moses asked the Lord, show me your face. Show me your face. Exodus 33 and in verse 20, the Lord says, I canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. I take note of this. No man shall see me and live. God in his glory, his splendor, his wonder, his power, his authority, his majesty, his sovereignty. He says, no man, no mortal eye can look upon me and still live. If your eye at this very present moment were to stand in the brightness of his glory, if you and I were to behold it, with our natural eye. Our eyes would be consumed in their holes. And you and I would be, as it were, consumed in the presence of God. 
you and I would not be able to stand in such glory. And yet feeble, fickle, frail man. Frail man says, I'm okay the way I am. I believe I'll be in heaven. And yet they live without God, without Christ, and without hope in this world. Friend, let me tell you, no man can see his glory. He takes Moses, puts him in the cleft of the rock, and he says, I'll pass by you, and I'll cover you with my hand, and you'll see my back parts. It means you'll see like a reflective glory. For not alone with my covering will you be able to stand. Friend, you see, the only way that you and I, Christian, will be able to stand in the glory of Christ when he comes again, when we stand before him, is when we're saved, we're covered in the blood, we have the righteousness of Christ in us, and when he comes, he's going to change this body, and he's going to take this mortal, and make it immortal, this corruptible, and make it incorruptible, and you and I who are saved will be able to stand in his presence because of the blood, because of his righteousness, and because he has changed us, that we may be like him. And friend, there's no man will see him and not be consumed with the coming of Christ. You know, the Lord himself shall be revealed in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells the Thessalonian church that. I trust tonight that you're saved. Take note of this, friend. No man shall see my face in the presence of holiness. Depravity cannot stand. In the presence of eternity and the things of eternity, man in his frailty cannot stand. And take note, Throughout the Bible, the Word of God, various men with office in God, with office in God's kingdom and office in God's work, failed to be able to stand on their feet when God starts to reveal himself in glory. For example, in our verse here, in our chapter, verse 5, Isaiah 6 and verse 5, Notice this. Then said I, Isaiah says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Notice, for mine eye have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see how he feels? The slightest pulling back of the curtain, of the veil, of the glory of God. Woe is me. I'm undone. The people around me, even my lips are unclean before God. For I have seen him. Do you know they killed Isaiah? And it said Manasseh, the king, the wicked king who came, killed Isaiah. And some Jewish writings say that Isaiah ran for his life. And he hid in a tree, and it was the hem of his garment that, that, that searched him out or found him out. It says they saw the tree in half with him in it, 
and the blood ran out of the tree. I don't know if that's true. We don't hold that as scripture. But these things were happening. It says he killed him. Manasseh killed Isaiah. Why? Because he said he saw the Lord. That's impossible, they said. And you're a false prophet. Some said he was sawn in half with a wooden saw. But nevertheless, he was killed for saying he saw the Lord. Notice this. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 7, Daniel says this when he's in prayer, seeking the face of God. Righteousness belongeth unto thee. He sees the visions of God. Notice what he says. Righteousness belongeth unto thee. In verse 8, he says, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face. To me, Lord, confusion means shamefulness of face. My face, bare face, I am ashamed in your presence. And that was Daniel, the mighty prophet of Judah. That was Daniel who opened his windows to Jerusalem and prayed three times every day. That was Daniel whom the Lord kept while he was in the lion's den. That was Daniel who interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dreams after seeking the face of God. Listen to what he says in chapter 10 when he sees God He's seen visions of God and he says, There remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and I retained no strength. My comeliness means everything that I thought was good in me. Everything that I deemed to be wholesome in me. Everything that I deemed to be worthy of me went to corruption in the presence of holiness. Oh, what will it be like when the skies roll back like a scroll and the myriads and myriads of angels with Christ come and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Oh, glory, what will it be like when we're changed in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye those of us who know him who trust Him, who have been saved by Him. Notice here, Daniel retained no strength. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 1 and verse 28, says, When he saw the Lord, and when I saw Him, I fell on my face. Ezekiel thought he was going to die. And it was the right hand of God that touched him, that gave him the ability and the strength. The same with Daniel, the right hand touches him fellowship right hand power of the right hand Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father place of power and authority it touched him we think also of John John who's seen him you know what we're seeing here seeing the face of God you know who Jesus is God with a face God with a face Notice this, John in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17 says, 
when he saw the risen Christ, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me. Glory to God, he lifted him up. And glory to God, he strengthened him. And it was only by the touch of the master's hand that he was able to stand in the presence of holiness. So these two wings cover the seraphim's face, unable to look directly, as it were, to the holiness and into the glory and wonder of God. But here's something as we close this point. Isaiah 52 and verse 14. Now listen, we're in Isaiah 6. 48 chapters later. Listen to what he prophesies. I wonder what he must have thought. Prophesying this and then Isaiah 53 before. He was wounded for our transgressions. He's bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, laid on him, the Father on his Son, the iniquity of us all. He's seen him in Isaiah 6 on the throne. And now in 53, he sees him on the cross. And in Isaiah 52, verse 14, he's seen him in his beating. He tells us his visage was marred more than any man. The word visage there means his appearance from his head to his feet. From the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. His visage, his face, his features was marred more than any man. You see, this is 750 years before Calvary. And now we find when Christ is arrested, he's taken to Pilate's judgment hall. He's beaten. He's battered. He's bruised. They pull out the very hairs of his beard. The vision marred more than any man. The word marred gives the idea that he's so disfigured looking. His whole appearance looked a bloody mess. And Christ looked almost disfigured by the time he got to Calvary. Revelation 22. He wasn't defeated, you know. Revelation 22, with him in glory. You know what it says? Of those of us when he comes again. It says, and they shall see his face. The face we're unable to look upon. The face of God became flesh. Was battered and bruised and hung on a cross. Sanded the glory and we will see his wonderful, his beautiful and majestic face. The face of the one. He bled and died for us. Two wings cover their feet. Secondly, with twain they cover their feet. Why cover their feet? The feet tell us where we're going. The feet give away where we have been. The feet let us down, especially 
in the days when they wore sandals, especially in the days when the streets were full of manure, camels or horses or donkeys or whatever, when the streets were sanitized, when everything was thrown out into the street, think about it. The beautiful feet of Christ walked through the mire of this world. The feet full of sand and dust and dirt. And hence the woman comes when he's at supper and washes his feet with her tears and dries the tears with her hairs of her head. Christ walks through the streets in the countryside and the desert places. Notice this. The seraphim cover their feet. It's as though they would say, although they are, as it were, the holy angels or seraphim of God, the burning ones ready for him. There they cover their feet with two wings. As if to say, Lord, look not upon us. For in your holiness, even us, the seraphim, are unholy. You know, Isaiah 59 and verse 7 tells us of feet. Speaks of feet to run to evil. And they make haste to shed innocent blood. I'll tell you, friend, there's feet that are running to evil. There's feet that shed, run to shed innocent blood. Think of the innocent blood that was shed in Ulster for years. The innocent men and women shot and blasted and bombed, maimed. I think of the innocent blood of the abortion clinics, the innocent blood and the feet that run to shed the blood. Well, there's innocent blood shed, all right. People don't realize it. They think it's just where one man goes to kill another. But people support that which is ungodly, which is unrighteous, which is not of God. Notice, speaking of feet, friends, Proverbs 4 and 26. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 4 and 26. Ponder the path of thy feet. Notice, ponder the path of thy feet. And let thy ways be established. Think of where your feet have taken you. Our feet have taken us from we have had our first steps. Taken us separate and different ways. Some feet have taken us into trouble. Some to prison. Feet have taken us to courthouses. Some have taken us to do evil. Some have taken us to the bar. To the nightclub. Some have taken us to the place of ill repute. Our feet have taken us away from Christ. We have walked every wind. All we, remember I said it, all we, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath led on him the iniquity of us all. Our feet have taken us to the places of sin and idolatry. And oh, the seraphim cover their feet. To represent where 
feet would take them in the presence of a holy God. Friend, is your feet taking you places you shouldn't have been? Have your feet carried you in places and done things you shouldn't have done? The seraphim's wings would signify to us that these feet have taken us places we should never have been. Christian, is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, when Paul speaks about put you on the whole armor of God, he says that our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We should have our feet taking us to tell the gospel, to preach the gospel, to speak of Christ and his goodness and his grace and his glory and his forgiveness and the power of the blood that he shed. That's where our feet should take us. I think, friend, of Romans 10 and 15. Speaks of how beautiful, doesn't matter how rotten your feet look, how beautiful are the feet, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. It's glad tidings to a soul in need. Your feet bring you the glad tidings to a man and woman who's in deep, dire distress and pain. Your feet bring you to encourage, to strengthen, to help, to comfort, to bless others. Tell them of Christ and their need of Him. Oh, friend, there's someone waiting somewhere that the Spirit will lead you for your feet to take you that you may be a help unto them to tell them of the glories of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to finish this point and quickly finish the last. In Psalm 22, the Psalm of the Cross, Psalm 22, the Psalm of the Cross, verse 16. Listen to what the psalmist says. Looking a thousand years ahead, even before Isaiah, one thousand years ahead almost. It says, they pierced my hands and my feet. Christ's feet walked the mire of the earth. He walked the mire of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Galilee. He walked in the mire, not only of the literal dirt, but of the miry clay of the dirt of the hearts of men and women. He walked that we might be forgiven. Then they took him. And as the prophet said in Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and my feet. Do you know when this psalm was given, there was crucifixion, but they didn't pierce the feet? But the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus and testifying of Christ. There it says, not only my hands, but my feet. Oh, how accurate is the word of God. How intimate is the Holy Ghost in the word. To know even the smaller, seemingly mundane things in our lives. That he would even notice the feet that were pierced. Oh friend, what does he notice about our feet? Here's a wonderful thing, Zechariah 14 and 4. The coming of Christ, you know what it says? And his feet, the feet that were nailed to the tree, the feet that walked this earth, his feet, 
shall on that day stand upon the Mount of Olives. Glory to God. He's coming again. And he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives. And there he'll walk down over the brook Kidron to the eastern Golden Gate. And there the king shall come in. Finally, with two wings they did fly. They did fly. This signifies their willingness, their openness, and their readiness to serve at the command of God. Are you ready? Would you be willing? Talk to someone you're not saved. And friend, I'll tell you, maybe you've procrastinated. Maybe God's been dealing with you and speaking to you. Maybe someone's been witnessing. You know it's the truth. And God has been ministering into you. You've wrestled with it, procrastinated, and you've shrugged it off many a time. But you just can't shake it off fully because God, the Holy Ghost, is speaking to you. So, friend, are you ready tonight? Are you ready to make haste? Not to the throne room, but to the cross. Not to Isaiah 6, but to Calvary. Because there's coming a day, if you make haste to Calvary, you'll be able to make haste right into the presence of God. Psalm 123, verse 2. It says, Behold, as the eyes of the servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God. Friend, they were looking. The servants stood watching. And just a movement of the hand, there they went hither and thither. A movement of the mistress' hand. There the maiden went here and there. There they ran at their command, friend. Make haste, friend, and come to Christ. Make haste and obey the Master. Make haste and trust His hand and trust His leading tonight. Make haste. Like He said to that man, Zacchaeus up a tree, make haste and come down. For I must abide this day in thy house. And he came down as quick as he could. And salvation entered in that day, friend. Make haste. I finish with this, friends. Thank you for listening. In Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Notice the haste here. Isaiah 6 and 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? Note this. Throughout heaven, who shall I send and who will go? But the seraphim's there and the seraphim's are here and they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Let them go. No, friend. He wanted a man to speak to humanity. A man who could talk to human beings about the glory of Christ. Angels know nothing about our salvation. They, they look into it. They inquire about it, but they know nothing of it. And so he uses men and he uses women. Notice him making haste. Who will go for us? He says, here am I, the prophet Christ. 
Here am I. Send me. Friend, I'll tell you, you'll not be able to stand in His presence. Psalm 130 and verse 3 says, O Lord, if I shouldest mark iniquities, but O Lord, who shall stand? If Christ in that day was to mark your iniquities or mine, not one of us could stand in His presence. And we have no wings to cover us, to cover our shame of our face. We have no wings to cover our feet, to cover the ways we have walked, the places we have been in this sin in our lives. And it's too late. We have no wings to run to the cross. Thank God, 25 years ago he called me Save me by his grace. Out of the pit and out of the mire. And out of the world of sin. And there he washed me at Calvary. With his precious blood. And there he gave me a robe of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. And he took my sins. There I don't need wings to cover my face. And I don't need wings to cover my feet. And I don't need wings to help me to fly. Because, friend, I am covered over in the robe of righteousness my Father gave to me. And in that day, when He comes, I will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Are you saved tonight? Are you saved tonight? Are you Christ tonight? Are you washed tonight in the blood? Are you forgiven of your sins? Are you clothed in the righteousness of Christ tonight?